uh, we've been um, talking, kind of working our way towards the manger in the last couple of weeks and kind of figuring out what some of the characters involved in it look like. And of course, today being our last service before Christmas, I mentioned the beginning of service, we won't be here for New Christmas Eve. So spend that with your family, loved ones, friends. Go enjoy that. We'll be back here next Sunday for both services. And uh, I, I, as we get ready, as this is kind of our Christmas message for the year, you know me, I never like to do just a standard old Christmas message. I got to kind of dig deeper into it because there's so much meaning in this story that I think we miss. And um, I, I live in Venice, so I drive a lot. I drive a lot. Sometimes I make two and three trips back and forth to, to town, drive a lot. I've got some friends in Lakeland I go see sometimes, so I'll, I'll drive there. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving a pretty hefty amount. I drive probably, um, not probably, I know, about 36,000 miles a year. So um, roughly about 3,000 miles a month. So almost 1,000 miles a week. That's a lot of driving, okay? It's about three and a half times the normal amount. And uh, I run into traffic on a regular basis on 75, especially this time of year. Anyone else run into traffic? How many of you guys really enjoy, how many of you, when you see your map light up red and on uh, your phone, you get really excited about life? You're like, yes, red for Christmas. Anybody really enjoy that when the lights ahead of you are red and you know you're slowing down? Come on, anybody? No? I don't either. Uh, I've been using uh, Waze recently, but Ma Ma Google Maps does it, Apple Maps does it, iMaps, whatever they call it. I've been using Waze recently. Um, and uh, Waze will do this thing where if it knows there's traffic ahead of you, it'll say, hey, dummy, there's traffic ahead of you, and we're going to show you a new way, and, uh, and uh, you get this thing called alternate route or recalculating. Anyone ever seen that before where it says recalculating? Because it, it knows something up ahead is going to delay you and slow you down. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but for me, I, I kind of get ticked off. Now, I'm happy that it's telling me there's something ahead, but I know the route I was on was the fastest route. And I know this newfangled route you're gonna send me down on array for like 20 miles with everybody else is not gonna necessarily get me there in the original time. So that little like arrive at 655 or 222, because that's my favorite number, so we'll throw that out there. Arrive at 222 p.m. and then all it says, it says recalculating, and then it says now arriving at 245 p.m or 2.56 p.m., and I'm like, okay, or 3.10 p.m., now that the traffic is in front of me. And then it goes to recalculating. It says it's not 3.10 anymore. Now it's going to be 2.45. Like, well, that's great because the recalculating got me 26 minutes faster here, but I'm still 23 minutes behind where I was supposed to be there. Anyone ever feel that way? I feel like 2020 has just been one everlasting recalculation and alternate route. Anybody feel that way? <laughs> like we just keep jumping back on the highway thinking the, the traffic is clear and surely things are going to get back to normal flow here and it doesn't feel that way. I want you to know this, that in 2020, we're in great company because there has never been a story, not this year, not in the last 2,000 years, there has never been more of a story that incorporated twists and turns and impediments and alternate routes and recalculating more than the Christmas story. I think that we read the story and we don't really think about the story. So I'm gonna read some of it to you. You know most of it, I'm sure. But let's start in Matthew 1, chapter 18. 
It says, this is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Um, this is a little confusing, and I'm going to explain to you culturally what was going on, because it says, just pay attention with me, that she was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the children aren't in the room, but I'm not going to uh, tell you what it means that they didn't come together, okay? But you all can figure it out, all right? They were not intimate together yet. Because Joseph, her husband, okay, that's a little bit of a twist because it says they weren't married, but they were just pledged to be married, and now it's calling Joseph her husband. I'll explain that. Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So understand that the Jewish um, marriage customs regarding a couple's engagement were far different and much more different than we are today. So a girl would be pledged to be married, maybe at the age of 12 she would be pledged, or 15 be pledged to marry somebody. And that, that agreement between the parents usually came with um, a payment, or we call it modern-day a dowry. And so the bride's family would pay the, the husband or the husband's family to take the bride. So we assume, based on the way the story's reading, that that's what happened here. Mary was pledged or given to be Joseph's wife, and Mary's family must have given Joseph's family something in return. And so technically, in that moment, when the payment was made, even if there wasn't a ceremony yet, when the payment was made for this uh, agreement here, they were technically married at that point. The, the, the Jewish customs and in Scripture, they would consider them married at that point. The transaction took place even if the marriage wasn't consummated. So that's why it's saying they had not been together, they had not consummated the marriage, that Mary was still a virgin, but they were married. Confusing, but now hopefully you understand what was going on here. And that time period, this is very important because this is the beginning of the recalculation, that time period between the payment when they were considered married and the ceremony, which that later on that night they would then come together and consummate the marriage and Mary would no longer be a virgin, that's, that ceremony, that period between them could be as long as a year. And in that year, one of the major components of successfully making it to that ceremony is that the wife or the woman would keep herself chaste. She would not give herself uh, to, to anyone. And this was the custom of the day. And uh, uh, as you can understand, when she... Um, missed her cycle that month. I feel like I'm teaching a biology class today. She uh, was like, um, so, uh, uh, Joseph, I, um, I swear, I promise you, I do not have a side boo, okay? I, I promise you. You can imagine that moment Joseph was like. <laughs> right? Anybody here like. 
So you're telling me that you're a virgin, but you have a child growing inside of you. Now, in the coming months, I'm going to get on a topic that's going to hopefully set some of you free in this room that have been beat over the head by the purity standards of the church and made to feel like you were no good and nothing because you did something before you were supposed to or you lived a lifestyle or a life that led you in a certain direction. In the next couple of months, I'm going to be preaching some messages that's going to set you free because God never intended you to be shamed based on what's happened in your past. But I'm not going to do that today, but just know it's coming, okay? But I do want to tell you this. God was already getting ready, getting beginning to mess with the paradigm of this law because can you imagine that they're married but they can't come together but they're living probably in close quarters together traveling together alone but they can't come together and consummate the marriage but they can't be with anybody else and a year goes by and nothing's going on or happening or could be a year-long process and then on top of it, as you know, I'm sure Mary and Joseph both were like, I really like you, I really like you, you know, like this, something needs to happen here. And then Mary just shows up pregnant and Joseph's like, I've never seen below her collarbone. <laughs> right? So something happened here. If you, you want to talk about an alternating route, recalculating moment for these two, I don't know about you, but I would be screaming at that point. Like, do you think I'm dumb? There was a moment here where Joseph had to decide what he was going to do because the custom of the day, and custom doesn't mean like option. Custom is like, this is what we do. We've done it for thousands of years and nobody's going to change it. The custom of the day is you bring her out to the town square and we're going to stone her. We're going to kill her. Divorce back then? was not just like, hey, you go live your life, be happy. Hope you find somebody that loves you well. Divorce is like, you're going to die. <laughs> right? Like, they put the die in divorce, okay? <laughs> like, you're done. Aren't you glad we don't have that standard anymore? So Joseph already is showing some grace here because he's like, listen, we're going to do this. We're going to move on with our lives. We're going to do it quietly. I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to bring in the religious leaders. I'm not going to do this this way, but, but like, hey, I'm not cool with this. It's not all right. I'm not dumb. I, just, I know what happened here. Can you imagine the pressure on Joseph and the pressure on Mary? And then the angel of the Lord comes and visits Joseph, and we know what happens. I want to tell you this right now. Sometimes the promise of God in your life is going to come in circumstances and begin to reveal itself in circumstances that are less than ideal. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing when you're engaged to somebody or married to somebody and have yet to consummate them. There's nothing that will shake you to the core as a human being like thinking somebody else has impregnated your wife. Let's be real here. And Joseph had a moment here where it's like, the traffic ahead is backed up. And 
something completely different from the path I thought I was going to take today and this year and the next 10 years has happened. I did not expect this to happen. And I've got to figure out the route around this. And the angel of the Lord comes and I'm telling you right now, the greatest moments of your life and mine are going to happen in the moments where the GPS starts doing the spinning thing inside of us where we go, what now? If you're having a what now moment this year, we're at the end of this year or the beginning of this coming year. It's really a great moment for the angel of the Lord or the spirit of God to come to you because those what now moments are always going to be God moments because he's never going to leave you with the GPS spinning and no alternate route or recalculation. Ever, ever, ever. And here's the thing. God never promised you that the journey from point A to point B would be exactly the way it's quickest, most efficient, most, you know, the, the, the least amount of impediments, stoplights, you know, traffic. He never promised that. But what he did promise is he would never leave you nor forsake you. What he did promise you is when things begin to happen up ahead that he would figure out something along the way that would, that would actually reveal and bring you to places you wouldn't normally go. I went to Lakeland a couple weeks ago, and if you've ever gone to Lakeland, it's usually 75, I-4, two of the most boring roads on the face of the earth. Why? Because they're flat and straight, and there's concrete on both sides, and there's nothing to see, and when you get into the areas going towards Lakeland, and you start to see cows, you think you've seen the motherland, and they're just cows. At that point, it's the most interesting part of the journey is cows. It's boring. It's no good, but you get a recalculation, yeah, it's going to add 20 minutes to your time or 30 minutes to your time, but it's going to take you through some towns and some places and some areas in the middle of the state that are so beautiful and so much more enjoyable, and the only way you can ever enjoy or discover or find those places or see those little tiny miracles and gems is if you run into some trouble and allow yourself to be rerouted. Oh, I'm preaching here today, and I'm not even getting to the good part yet. So 2020 could be, yeah, you stuck in traffic, going one or two miles an hour and realizing, oh, man, this is going to be twice as long or three times as long. Or you can realize that God wants to reroute you and show you some new things. Because for these guys, she is carrying the promise of humanity inside of her. She is carrying the greatest gift the world has ever seen, and Joseph's got to play this right. He can't do the, oh, no, this can't be happening to me. No, no, this was not the plan. This was not the route. This is not the way I was, this was supposed to go. He can't be playing that here, or he's going to miss the greatest gift the world would ever know that was coming to him and his wife because it didn't look like what he expected to look like. And it gets worse. It doesn't get better. In Luke 2, which is the other New Testament book that has the story in it, verse 4, Luke 2, verse 4 through 12. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. I want to point this out to you. I don't have a ton of time. I've got to be done in 11 minutes so we can do our class. But Nazareth, where he went from, Nazareth means branch that bears fruit. So he left the place that was bearing fruit. Then he goes through the place of Judea, 
which means house of praise. So he's, le he's leaving the place that's got fruit. Why do we need to leave? There's fruit here. Passing through the place of praise to Bethlehem, which means house of meat. Really not just to Bethlehem, not just to Bethlehem, because he didn't go to the good part of Bethlehem, to a stable. I can't tell you how many times in my life I felt like God was taking me from a place where like, I've got everything I need here. Why would I want to leave this? This is wonderful. Look at all the fruit on the trees. And going, I'm like, wait, 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 that looks fun over there. They look like they're praising and having a good time. Why are you bringing me through this? To a stable? What? You're rerouting me from here around this to a stable? He went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there. The time for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger. Now we have made the manger a pretty thing in our house, haven't we? Who has a nativity set? Yeah. What I need you to do is go home. How many of you have a nativity set and a pet? How many of you have a nativity set and a dog? I need you to go outside after the dog goes to the bathroom and scoop up what he or she lays on the ground and go back to your nativity set and go ahead and put it down with your straw. And now we're talking. Do you understand what a stable is, folks? Do you understand that this woman who's carrying the greatest gift of humanity, who's already kind of gotten beat up a bit because she's a virgin who now has a baby inside of her and has got to try to tell that tale. She's already being shamed, I'm sure, by family and friends. She's carrying this promise, like the least you can do, God, is provide a place that's halfway decent for me to deliver your son to the world. Like, let's get an agreement. I'll do this. I'll take the shame of being a virgin with, you know, and like get Joseph yelling mad at me and you have to intervene with an angel and family and friends saying like, Mary, really? You're really going with that story? Like, I'll deal with that. But here's the deal, God. I'll carry your, your son and birth him to the world and all that, and the pressure of that, but could you hook me up with a good spot to do this? Like the Rosemary Birthing Center or something like that. Can you do that for me? No, no. He, she gets, the two of them get routed to a stable. I want you to picture this, ladies. With all of the nausea, all of the pain, all of the, I don't know if I can do this, I feel like I'm going to die, that I've been told happens during childbirth, because I'm about, I'm thinking about four months away from experiencing that. That was a fat joke. Anyways, um, with all of that going on, add to it doing it around some animals and what animals do. Where was Mary laying when she delivered this baby? Do you think that the lo local OBGYN brought in a table with the stirrups and the whole deal? She couldn't have done it in the manger. That would be uncomfortable. She's delivering. Listen to, oh, this is going, I'm just going to have to preach for a moment. She's delivering the greatest promise and gift in the world, probably this close to animal feces. I heard it put this way, that... <laughs> That he was born in a stable because he'll have to, he, would, he knew he would have to learn to put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> Do you see this picture? 
Mary is delivering a baby, not just any baby, the promise of humanity, the one that the prophets foretold in Isaiah and Jeremiah, the one that the world was waiting on for thousands of years, the gift from heaven to the world. She's delivering this baby, the promise, the miracle, the great I am, the El Shaddai. She's delivering it in probably very close proximity to not just the substance, but the smell of animal feces. What, why does this even, bless you, why does this even, I was like, I care too. Why does this even matter? Because it matters. It matters because you and I have had some crappy situations. You and I have had some situations that didn't work out the way. We've arrived at some destinations we thought were going to look different. And we thought we were being obedient in those moments. And we thought we were doing God a favor. And we thought we were, you know, stepping into line. And they ended up not to be what we expected them to be. And we have forfeited and walked away from so much that God wanted us to do and be a part of in our own lives and the lives of others because it didn't look the way we thought it to. And we have thought time after time, there is no way you would deliver the promise of humanity in this. This is four hours for a one-hour journey. This is nothing like I expected. The question is this, as you look around this room, it is Jesus, the King of Kings. It is the one who came. It is, it is the one who would be the spotless Lamb of God. It is the perfect gift to the world who is coming in. Think about this. Do you know who was present for this? I don't know about you. I know I'm dressed like I'm a hotshot today, but I'm not a hotshot and I'm not a VIP and I'm with a church full of people that don't think they're VIPs. They just think they're just available enough and uh, tenacious enough that they could do something great for God. And I love to be around people who don't take themselves too seriously, but we take serious the promise of God. And, and I'm telling you right now, this is not a story about VIPs. It's not a story about people with the right pedigree. It's not a story about the perfect situation or atmosphere. It's not, the, uh, it's not a program that went right off or, or anything like that. It's a, it is a story actually about chaos, misdirection, shame, uh, people talking behind their backs, hard conversations, a journey to a place that was literally filled with dung. This is a story that wasn't supposed to go this way if you and I would have written it. I read a lot of stories to my five-year-old and a lot of six-year-old now and a lot of princess stories and none of them look like this. Question is, where were all the important people? Surely God would want the important people to be here for this. Do you know who was there? He was born and surrounded by animals, foreigners, who probably didn't even speak the language, the magi. I mean, I don't know about you, ladies, but how many of you let people you didn't know that didn't speak your language and who weren't associated with the hospital into your delivery room? I don't care what kind of gifts they're bringing. Get them out. They, he was, they were surrounded by animals, foreigners, straw, both clean and dirty, to a bunch of nobody parents that didn't have any great pedigree, surrounded by more animals, some unclean shepherds. If you've ever been around shepherds, they don't have a great odor. 
and crap. If the characters in your life are people you don't understand, people who need to take a shower, some animals, don't look at your spouse, and some crap, and you feel like a nobody, you might just be carrying the promise of God. <laughs> you might just be carrying the promise of God. Because you know it's a setup when it doesn't look like it, when it's a recalculation, an alternate route, the people around you don't look like they have any clue what they're doing or what they're experiencing, and you smell something and it doesn't smell good, and you can't figure out if it's what's on the ground or the guys that say they're here to bring you gifts. And if you feel like you can't or won't or shouldn't be able to be allowed to actually accomplish anything great in your life or in the kingdom, I'm telling you right now, you're in good company. And especially this year in 2020, we celebrate at the end of this year for our Christmas season. Yeah, we celebrate that baby that we see in all the nativity scenes and the perfectly clean straw on the ground, the perfectly clean, perfectly cut manger and all that. I don't know about you. If you've ever seen a trough that animals eat out of, the dirt from their skin and their face, wear it in such a way it is nasty it is sticky, it is full of dirt, and God knows what else. And yeah, the straw might be clean inside of it because that's what they're eating, but the baby is sitting there surrounded by this, surrounded by the smells and the sights, and then we've got these jokers coming in with gifts that we don't even know, and, and this is how we're gonna get this thing rolling? This is how we're gonna deliver the greatest gift the world has ever seen right here? And God's like, yeah, this is perfect. You see, this whole Christianity church thing, which I got to be honest with you, sometimes I think it's stupid the way we've allowed it to become. This was never about perfect people and perfect situations and perfect programs and perfect this and perfect that. It was never about that. It was always about the, the scripture that we say over and over and over again, which is that, that whosoever will let them come. It has always been about bring you, your crazy people, your crazy animals and what they have with them. Bring everything alongside of you because there is a beautiful open arm father that is waiting for you to come. And there is the spirit of God that is hovering over the earth that is inviting you every moment of every day to come and not just to receive everything he's always promised you, but to live from that place and be the gift and blessing and miracle that this world needs. That's what this is about. And if you got problems and you're waiting to get over the problems, if you've got people in your life that are a little difficult and you're waiting for them to leave, if you've got crap, can I say it, hanging around you and some things you need to clean up, if you're waiting for that to experience what God has for you, you're missing out on the purpose of this entire season. Just like I give a gift to you for Christmas, I'm not giving it to you because I've treated you great all year long. I'm not giving it to you because you've been perfect. We actually don't have in Christianity the idea of coal in our stocking. Jesus actually took care of that. He took the coal when he took the stripes. He took the coal when he took the lashes and he took the coal when the thorns went into his head. And he said, from this year forward, every year, no matter if you deserve it or not, you can receive the fullness of the gift that I was to this world and am still. And this should get you excited, and you can be that gift too.
2020 has been, yeah, it's been a dirty staple. But I'm going to end with this. But maybe step outside the stable and look above it for a moment. Is there a star shining? That's a yes. That's star music you're hearing right there. Is there a star shining above this dirty old stable? It's just maybe if we can look up for a moment, we can realize that this doesn't look like much. Oh, but it's marked in a holy moment. 2020 has been a holy moment, bringing us to a holy place if we'll just look up. Stop looking at what's stuck to the straw and look at the star that is overhead that's promising us that what he said he would do would come to pass. It's happening right now. We're going to end with this. Hope is more alive today than it was when this year started. And when you leave here, hope can be your measure, be your portion. To hope, to dream, to receive. That in the middle of the dirty stable, there's a star overhead and there's a promise and a gift that's coming. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to head down that hallway. Those of you that uh, signed up to get baptized, if you didn't sign up to get baptized, you can get baptized. I'll just get your name. We've got some extra towels. You just won't get a certificate today. Those of you who signed up, your certificates are ready. I'll be giving you your baptismal certificates today. A um, couple of you I'm going to hold under an extra second or two. And I'm just kidding. And, uh, and we'll be back here at 1115. <laughs> you did good. It was delayed. A lot of my jokes are very delayed. Some people say they arrive in three to five days. Um, so we're going, to, uh, we're going to be back here at 11.15. We'll sing a song. We'll baptize. If you want to hang around for an extra 20 minutes, you can be a part of that baptismal or that baptism. And uh, we're so glad you came to here today. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the week with your family, and we'll see you next week. Amen.